everyone, and welcome to the Reading Crossbow Podcast. My name is Lena, and I am coming to you solo today because today is my halfway episode of the Poppy War read-through. Uh, if you haven't seen our show yet, typically how this works is I would have a co-host, and my co-host is named Rob, but Rob is not here for my halfways, and I'm not going to be on the episodes for Rob, uh, Rob's halfways. And so really how this works every month is uh, there's two of us on the show, and it's kind of a his recommendation, hers recommendation. Rob will recommend a book, and this month he recommended The Poppy Wars, and I will recommend a book, and this month I recommended Four Queen. So we started off with The Poppy Wars, and we did our episode last week announcing the books we were going to read, and then this is my halfway point. So super excited to bring this to you, but not so excited that Rob recommended this book, I think I'm not actually sure. I've done my halfway read through, which is actually, it's not quite halfway. It is two, um, part two. Um, so let's see how many pages is that? There's 215 pages until you get to part two and there is 520 pages in the book. So, um, a little less than half, but a great stopping point to give you all an intro to the poppy war. So how we do our halfways is, um, we don't want to give too much away. It's kind of like an adult reading rainbow sort of where we want to get you back into reading again, but we don't want to give the book away. So we hope to inspire you to read. So, Rob, this part of the episode is for you. Um, <laughs> I actually don't even, I don't even know where to begin, but I, <laughs> okay, I have to tell you this. The first sentence of this book, Rob, <laughs> thank you very much, is take your clothes off. What? I thought this was supposed to be a book about war and history and uh, like Chinese culture and the first sentence is, take your clothes off. Uh, okay. Um, anyway, so that's how this book starts out. Uh, so I just thought that that would be a funny way to introduce you all into my first experience with this because I, I, I read that line and I looked up and I went, fucking Rob. Like, <laughs> But you know what? I'll get back to that sentence. <laughs> it really has, this book has nothing, and I mean nothing so far, to do with taking your clothes off. So you must know that. Anyhow, I thought we would start off this episode by me actually reading the book jacket to you. Um, that way, if you are interested in maybe reading this book, I can read the book jacket to you before you even go to the bookstore or pick it up in our links below. All right, The Poppy War by RF Coyne. When Rin aced the Keiju, the empire-wide test to find the most talented youth to study at the academies, it was a shock to everyone. To the test officials who couldn't believe a war orphan from Rooster Province could pass without cheating, to Rin's guardians who always thought they'd be able to marry Rin off to further their criminal enterprise, and to Rin herself who realized she was now finally free of the servitude and despair that had made up her daily existence. That she got into Sinregard, the most elite military school in, Nakara, in the Nakara Empire, was even more surprising. But surprises aren't always good. 
Being a dark-skinned peasant girl from the South is not an easy thing at Simregard. Rin is targeted from the, uh, from the onset by rival classmates because of her color, poverty, and gender. Driven to desperation, she discovers she possesses a lethal, unearthly power and aptitude for the nearly mythical art of shamanism. Exploring the depths of her gift with the help of a seemingly insane teacher and psychoactive substances, Rin learns that gods, that gods long thought dead are very much alive, and that mastering control over her powers could mean more than just surviving school. For even though the Nakara Empire is at peace, the Federation of Mugen still lurks across a narrow sea. The militarily advanced Federation occupied the Nakara Empire for decades after the First Poppy War and only barely lost the continent in the Second. And while most of the people in the Empire would rather forget their painful history, a few are aware that a third Poppy War is just a spark away. Rin's shamanic powers may be the only way to save her people. But as she finds out more about the god who has chosen her, the vengeful phoenix, she fears that winning the war may cost her her humanity. And it may already be too late. So there's the book jacket. If that entrance interests you, please grab it, even though you're just hearing this on the halfway episode, because we cover this full book, both mine and Rob's reviews, next week. So you have a whole week to read it. So... Get in there if you haven't. Um, I'm going to give uh, a quick um, uh, trigger warning. Uh, it happens really early on in the book. I think by page by page 90, um, there's a moment in the book, just again, trigger warning on that particular page, that particular chapter, wherever that is, I didn't mark it, um, that has to do with uh, uh, sensitivity to uh, burying children. So I think it's written very cleverly. Uh, it's written, written in a way that I don't think is too dramatic. Um, and just with that minor trigger warning, I just wanted to put that out there. That aside, let's get into the Poppy War and my thoughts. And back to that first sentence, which, by the way, <laughs> was very misleading. Okay, so the book starts us off with the throwback, actually. Um, the book starts off with Rin, the main character, taking that test that you hear about in the jacket cover to get into this uh, prestigious military academy. And um, in order to take the test, they actually have to prove that they're not um, trying to cheat. And some ways that they could cheat in this book and is a is a theme, you know, you'll note that it's called the Poppy Wars, the Poppy uh, referencing opium. Um, they're making sure that they're not in possession of drugs, particularly um, opium. So uh, they have them take off their clothes in a very safe area, mind you. Um, there's less, I believe, or I think I believe that there's less females that take the test, I think. Um, so she's in, uh, she's with a nurse and the area is is covered with the sheets. Like she's, she's fine, everyone, she's fine. And they check her mouth, they check everything just to make sure she's not hiding drugs and on drugs um, before taking this, this test to get into this prestigious military school. So that's where that sentence comes from. Yes, I totally used that to lure you into the episode. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, but yeah, so that's where the book starts off. So um, I'm going to cover up to, like I said, the end of part one. Um, the end of part one takes you from that beginning, which I just discussed, her taking this test, which is actually a, is a, actually, it's not a, it's not a flashback. It's a flash forward. <laughs> the book actually starts with um, a memory from 
later on than when the book starts. It's very interesting. But and then the book ends on part one um, with uh, her elevation, kind of cheeky there, her elevation, if you will, into her her studies um, with uh, her teacher um, and this level of shamanism or reaching shamanism. So we're going to cover from that first moment to that moment and uh, on a surface level. I'm not going to go too much into it. I promise you I'm going to leave enough out of this where you're going to be like, okay, you either want to read it or you don't. All right. So Rin, war orphan, as I told you, she is in a very poor province. Uh, the provinces in this uh, area, which is sort of, they're modeling it after China. Um, and uh, the provinces are of different uh, like zodiac signs. So like there's a rooster, rat, dragon, um, the, the, 12, the 12 signs, astrological signs um, in Chinese culture which is so cool, <laughs> but she's in the poor area. She's a war orphan. So she's adopted by this couple. Um, they made, uh, families adopt war orphans after the second poppy war. Um, so she's in this family and you know what plot twist or plot interesting, whatever you want to call it. They are like drug lords, <laughs> drug smugglers. And the woman, the wife in this family is just heinous. She's awful. And that's really where the book begins is we have this kind of flash forward, if, if you will, of this memory or this moment of Rin taking this test, but that's only about a, a page. And then it kind of flashes backwards. Um, and then you're in the mind of a 14 year old girl. And this 14 year old girl is, uh, sat down in a room and faced with a proposition of marriage. And, uh, she's, uh, terrified because, uh, she's from the, she's, she's an orphan and she's in this like drug smuggling family <laughs> and they want to marry her off. Why do they want to marry her off? Uh, well, because it would help with their drug trading, their drug trading ring. Uh, they, they want to marry her off to this merchant who's like two or three times her age. I can't remember. And I guess the way Rin describes him in her mind is he's gnarly and gross and on his umpteenth marriage. And, you know, he just sees her as this prize 14 year old girl, nasty by the way. But, um, he, the marriage proposal is for when she's 16. So she finds out about it at age 14, there's a matchmaker in, in her home, like telling her about this. And she's essentially like hyperventilating, like, whoa, no, this is not the life for me. She knows it. And that's, what's critical, um, in this moment. Uh, it's all, this all happens very quickly in the story. The first 40 pages of the, of the first of the 210 I'm going to cover, you get the most, uh, dynamic character development, um, with Rin. After that, um, I feel like the author digresses a little bit and, and pulls back on her character development and, and really forming your mind around these characters. But that's, that's kind of okay because these first 40 pages I find very, very interesting. We get this girl, Ren, who is caught in this moment in her life. Um, and, and by the way, this is the most intense. I'm going to go into detail here. Um, after the 40 pages, I'm going to start to kind of like lift up a bit and not go as deep. But I think the first 40 pages are, are interesting because they tell them. I think this is what's going to pull you into the story. Uh, so she's caught in this moment, happens in the first few pages, where she's basically like, like she doesn't want to marry. I'm like, I picture him like 
Java, the, like this, the, oh yeah, like this. Um, I, those of you who are just listening and are not watching the video, by the way, watch the videos. Uh, I'm pointing at a Jabba the Hutt character on, on my shelf. Um, I picture him like Jabba the Hutt in human form because she, th she thinks of him as quite vile. So um, having the fed, she's desperate. She's poor. She's an orphan. She has no money. Uh, her adoptive parents are cruel to her. Like, incredibly cruel to her. Um, they also have a son. And so, of course, you know, the son who's biological will inherit their business. They own, like, a kind of a front, um, a, a mercantile, I'm not sure, if you will. Um, and she knows she's not going to get it. She has to run it, by the way. She operates it. She runs the book. She runs the shop. She even takes care of the little kid who she's fond of. I think um, the child is, like, seven or something. Um, and, uh, so she, she knows in the, in this moment, this critical moment and think of a 14 year old child who has to say, I've got to get out. I've got to get out of this place. Like I can't be here. I can't, I can't get married to this man. What do I do? Um, and, uh, personal moment. I identify with this so much. And not that I was going to ever get married to some hairy, chubby, you know, man who, but I like chubby dudes. Okay, the chubby part doesn't matter. Um, Anyway, <laughs> my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm like this, but I just am. Okay, so um, not that that would have happened for me. It's not like I had drug lord parents who were going to marry, marry me off to some merchant to further their drug trading scheme. But uh, I, at that age myself, so like freshman year, um. I kind of saw a light. That light for me was like college. Like I lived in a tiny little town. I didn't have anything going for me. I wasn't gorgeous. I wasn't going to win some like model contract to get me out. I wasn't athletic. There was no, I mean, I was athletic, but not like scholarship athletic. There was literally no way for me to get out of my, it wasn't a one horse town, but it was like a two stoplight town, maybe three, three stoplight town. How do I get out? Uh, parents didn't have any money. They worked hard, but you know, it just happens. Didn't have any money. We were poor. Um, what, what could I do? I could study my ass off. I, and that was my, that was my out. So this is why I understand Rin because what does she do? She knows she has to study her ass off to get out. So she basically says to her, uh, adoptive mother, like, what if, I ace the military test to get into Sinregard. That's what we were reading about on the cover. It's this prestigious military school. Um, they're in war, so it's not like people go to college. They go to military school. It's neato. Um, and basically, she gets laughed at like this. Yo, you? No, not you. Right? You run the shop. You marry the merchant. And girl's like, but I don't. And so she basically tells um, her uh, adoptive mother and, and father that she's gonna take this test. And if she aces the test, they can't keep her there because, um, the, the government pays to send you to school. Like it's her ticket to get away. And so essentially she's laughed at because she's not had training. She's not had formal education. There's no way in their minds that she's going to ace this test, which by the way, 
wealthier families and, and families who have their mindset on their kids going to school to this particular school or any of like the offset schools, um, they start training them early and put them into school early. They get military training, like hand on hand combat. They, they get the, um, literature they need. They get the, the academia that they need to, to ace this test. Right. She's had none of that. She's 14. The test is when she's 16. So she either has to get married to the merchant at 16 or ace the test. So what you find in just these first 40 simple pages is some of the coolest, most interesting character development I've seen in a book. Um, and so praise these first 40-ish pages. Um, what happens next uh, is kind of epic. Just epic. So what happens is... She goes to like the village tutor. Um, there's no village idiot here, just a tutor, village tutor. And she, uh, she asks him to tutor her for this test. And he laughs at her. Like she just keeps getting laughed at. Girl has no one on her side. And he's like, you have two years. Like I train people their whole lives for this test and they don't they don't ace it. Like only the top scores and then the top one score from each province or top two scores, I think. Um, one, eh, high. Um, get to go to Sinregard, which is like the coolest school. And so uh, he said that, or alludes to, even the ones he trains, like he's like the lesser of the tutors too, right? Like he's like the tutor of this poor province. He's like not even the best tutors um, or instructors. And so here's what she does. Here's what Rin does. Rin fudges the books at her uh, adoptive parents' business because she's in charge of the books too. She, she can math, girl can math, um, and makes it look so like some stuff inventory goes missing. But what is that inventory? Drugs. <laughs> so she knows that most of the town or like a lot of people, especially in her province, um, are addicted to opium. So she legit comes up to this dude, tosses him a bag of drugs and was like, you're going to teach me. His eyes like light up and he's like, yo, big bag of drugs. Hey, oh yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll train you. And so she only has a couple conditions, right? Like just don't be high when you train me. And I maybe a couple more, I can't remember, but like, that's pretty cool. So she spends two years. It flies by in these first few pages um, training, uh, or sorry, studying for the academic portion of what most people would train for. Cause she knows she just has to ace the test. She's not doing the military training. She doesn't have time. She does some interesting stuff, uh, which gets into some trigger warning for some people, some body harm stuff, um, to keep herself awake. Um, so, uh, that is a trigger warning there for any of you who might have, um, some, you know, uh, some trigger warning needs around, body harm. Um, so yeah, she goes through some very desperate measures, which is why I say the character development around Rin here is, is very, very interesting. Um, you read in the, I mean, I read to you in, in the book jacket, so I'm not giving anything away here. She aced the test. So, um, she gets her ticket out. She has to say goodbye to her adoptive brother whom she does love. And it's sad for him. It's sad for her. That's the one thing holding her there. And she gets the hell out of that town. Um, What's interesting is her tutor has to go with her, has to escort her. Um, and this is 
this is where for me a couple things started falling apart a little bit we have a lot of really good descriptions um i kind of can picture like i said what the merchant looks like that she was supposed to marry i know he's like unappealing i know her tutor i picture him as maybe like skinny lean a bit drugged out maybe like long beard hair i don't know why like i can i can picture everybody um and she has this moment in this carriage when they're going to the town and her mentor tutor looks at her and says like sin regard is a scary place people are going to try to rob you people are going to try to you know take advantage of you they might even i think says maybe i'm making this up try to cut your hair because it's valuable it's beautiful um and and you don't you know so she like makes this decision herself to like cut her hair on the way there um and this is a very symbolic moment i think in the book because she she grabs a dagger or has a dagger and reaches back and cuts off her braid um and she cuts it off and she like legit throws it out the window i picture in my mind like the carriage runs over the braid um and like they're on their way to the capital um and that's the last real moment that i feel like my brain saw the movie in my head and when i read I always see a movie in my head, which is why I like authors who can be very descriptive. Um, not overly descriptive like a Terry Brooks, because I swear, man, that dude, I think I skipped like three pages one time in like the Shannara Chronicles because he was describing walking through a forest on this path. And then like three pages later, they were still on the path or something. It's like, not like that. I don't need that level of descriptive but enough. And that's the last time I really had this in-depth picture. So the, the author did a great job lining this all up. All right. So enough criticism there. We'll get into it more later. But short story. <laughs> Not kidding. I never tell a short story. Lies. Wow. Um, I'm already lying to you guys and it's my first halfway episode. Okay. So she gets to the military academy, says peace out to her mentor. We never hear from him again, at least, you know, where I'm at uh, in the book. Um, I'm hoping she pieces out forever to her piece of shit uh, adoptive parents because they were terrible. I mean, I, I don't know, but like aces, she's out. So gets to the academy and let's build up this academy here. Um, the author didn't necessarily paint a picture of what the academy looks like. And then there's not like a section in the book at least i don't remember let me let me check it um where it describes yeah there's not um sin regard sometimes books with maps i love books with maps um sometimes books with maps will also have like a depiction of like the castle or wherever they're staying or and i, I love when they do that um so uh anyhow the author doesn't do a super great job describing this place but i know it's kind of tiered um like a Goda style, I think that's how you say it, where there's like one kind of base fort level and then goes up and up and up and up and up. Um, and uh, so we kind of get that description, but not a ton else. But it is sort of like, and, and Rob described this to me when he was recommending the book, and I'm going to use his words here, fucked up Harry Potter. Intrigued. That's one of the things that made me very interested in reading this. I'm like, say no more, Rob. I'm in. So um, it is sort of like that in the fact that Harry Potter has um, 
like the four houses. And this has like disciplines. I, they're not really called disciplines, but there's like these different um, areas of study and it's like combat strategy, uh, medic, I think is one there. There's a, there's a few of these um, and lore is another. And so, um, essentially, um, I think 50% of kids who make it into Simmergard are, uh, let go or don't finish past the first year. They don't make it because in order to move on to your second year, so this is ordered like years also kind of like the Harry Potter books, um, you know, year one, year two, year three, year four. Um, so it doesn't go up to seven. So, uh, and it also doesn't continue that way in the book, by the way, but, um, interesting. That's how I thought of it when I first started reading it, you have to get pledged by one of these core disciplines at the end of your first year, the professors, uh, or instruction people have to choose you. So, um, and then it's only half the kids get pledges. So if you don't get a pledge at the end of your first year, you're out. So what's very interesting is I thought that if you failed or you didn't get a pledge in this book, that you would go to just a, one of the other schools because there's other military academies. It's not just Sinregard, this elite academy. There's other ones, but no. So this is what I don't quite get in the book. So you aced your test. You're in the top in your province so that you can go to this elite academy. But then like if you don't make it past the first year, then you're just out. Um, like, what does this mean? Like, it means that all the third through whatever places or second through whatever places, they're still in their schools and they're fine doing what? I don't know. But like, if you're second best, like you're just gone. <laughs> like, I just find that like intriguing that, um, the book was kind of written that way. And it's just very, uh, wow. It's just very, I mean, Rin has already had to get through so much. And then that's what's kind of incredible is she could lose, she could lose so much. Um, so she finally gets there, gets through the gates. Um, I've explained to you how the school works. And then she still has to get through her first year. So it's like she had like a hardly anything percent like it was a super low percent to even make it to the academy and then she gets to the academy and there's only a 50 percent chance she'll make it to year two so poor girl has everything against her um and uh it's just pretty compelling i don't know so all right she's out of school um and uh she has not had combat experience i think it's very important that i bring this up um, I'm not going to go into everything too much. Like I said, after the first 40 ish pages, I'd go pretty late, but, um, she gets to the school and she, it's like instant. She very quickly realizes that not only are her odds bad, right? It's the 50% she'll even make it to the second year. They're worse than that because everybody else there has had training. Um, and she realizes she's not going to be a medic. Like that's not, that's not where she's bound to be. She doesn't want to do like, she's probably not going to be like, get a pledge in combat training. Um, and she, I don't think there's a herbology, but you know, like that leaves like a few, that doesn't leave very many disciplines that she thinks that she can get a pledge to. So the odds are even more against her. Um, and so that really leaves strategy. That's the one thing that she's very much focused on because she knows she's a scholar. Um, so she figures she's going to put all her time 
into acing this kind of strategy discipline. Um, and then that leads into friendships. That leads into like who goes to this school. And I have to say from the get-go, Rin is not making friends. She It says on the book jacket cover that she has darker skin um, and that she's poorer. And in this particular book, the way the author writes it, that is looked down on. Um, in this culture um, and this, this area that she's writing about, um, having a, like a lighter skin is something that they consider beautiful. Um, so she just really doesn't have anything at all going in her favor. And on top of that, she cut her hair off as, is a total wreck. <laughs> like she has on her poor rags of clothes. She gets her like school issue uniform, which I think other kids have better stuff than that. It almost seems like, like if your uniforms were like, you know, top color this, bottom color this, other kids have it, but better. And she's got like her scrappy stuff and then her ratchety hair, <laughs> like girls, girls not doing okay. She makes no friends uh, instantly. Like that's, she, she does get a friend, but like right in the gate though, like right in the first classes, everybody, everybody looks down on her. And it's just another uphill battle that she has. And one person in particular named uh, Neza, Nez, Neja. I don't know how to say it. I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to screw it up on every episode we talk about this. I'll say Naja. Let, let's end on Naja. Um, hates, hates her <laughs> and makes it known from the get-go. So she, and he's probably like the popular boy, like the cool kid in glass. He's the son of a military general, I think. Um, and he's beautiful. The author does go into like this particular character's beautiful. The author doesn't spend a lot of time describing characters which for someone like me sucks because I want to picture people in my mind I want to build little side pictures with them like if I read a book before I go to bed I will dream of those characters when I go to bed they'll have full-on lives back here in, in the back of my mind and I wake up the, the next day or if I read the next day I'm like wait what happened is what I think happened what happened or what did I read and what did I make up that's how deeply I go into loving characters. So the author doesn't do that very much with a lot of these characters, which makes it difficult for me to like picture them in my mind. But, but she does do that with this one particular character. Um, and then a few of the girls she talks about as being beautiful. I think one of them even has like light hair, light skin, and, and she's really kind of like attracted for that or to that or has been taught to be. It's a bit unclear, but she, she clearly marks that these types of people are beautiful and she very much feels like she's not, which is so sad to read um, because uh, I think she said at one point her hair was her more beautiful thing and she had cut it off. So, um, all right. So fast forward to kind of what goes on on campus. Um, not going to go deep into stuff, like I said, but let's just say early on, she gets kicked out of her combat training. That teacher does not like her. There's probably some racism, some prejudice there with her look and her poorness and any of those things. He's just like, he hates her, um, kicks her out for fighting with the beautiful boy, Neja, um, which is just, almost criminal it's so sad and so prejudiced and so racist and mean and and but yeah she she gets kicked out so she has to learn and it's important that I mention that to you because um without trying to give too much away I'm just trying to tell you that she has to teach herself um and when you take an academic like Rin how does Rin teach herself well she goes to books so um Rin 
the, you know, our scholar, our scholar, um, she goes to the libraries to learn and she digs up these old um, texts uh in in the library and then there's like a forbidden forbidden section too which is just also so like uh like academia you know in so many like youth literature books right the restricted section you know she finds stuff there it was kind of fun but um yeah and spends all her time reading these to um get ahead and try to make up for what she can't learn in actual combat training so in these texts she finds like really really old sort of fighting styles and a few times in the book she's going to get made fun of for you know anybody who sees her or or sees this fighting style <clears throat> which leads to a couple other key moments that we need to talk about one this is the trigger warning that i talked to you about uh at the beginning of the episode which was um uh anybody that might have a trigger sensitivity around being unable to have children so uh Rin takes drastic steps to get ahead because, again, our our Rin, our our heroine of the story, our protagonist, must succeed. Um, and she gets her period. She gets her her menstrual cycle while being at this military camp. I'm sorry, while being at this uh military school, and she doesn't know what it is. This is what's really sad for her. She didn't have a, a nurturing mother. Or she didn't have someone to teach her about these things. Or if she did bring these things up, she didn't really bring it up. And and all Rin knows is that she's bleeding. It freaking hurts. She's done with this shit. She goes to the medic area, you know, and, and the students that are there and learning in their third, fourth years, whatever. Um, and like the instructor there and they're like, girl, you just, you got your cycle. <laughs> she's like, no way this hurts so bad there's no way that this is like the monthly thing that you know you guys talk about and she realizes in that moment that that is not what she wants um and then the uh instructor there makes it quite clear or doctor lead or whatnot that other students in the past have chosen to um end their cycle which is a and it's not a hysterectomy um it's this tonic that you can take um and the tonic uh, will essentially make you barren. Um, and so, but the instructor does tell her that they strongly recommend that she deals with it for a couple months just to, you know, see if she can toughen up, get through it. And for Rin, it is not whether or not, it's, it's not like some character level of whether she can be tough or not. That's not her deal. Like if she, if she could tough it out, of course she could. Like Rin's been through a lot, but she chooses, you know, her choice that she just doesn't want this because she knows she, you know, at best, at very, very best, has a 50% chance to make it to her second year um, if she's at the top of her class and knows that she's going to get pledges. But even then, she knows she's not going to get pledges in pretty much every single category. She's relying on strategy. She's relying on this one professor whom, by the way, very much likes her. We'll get to that later. So she chooses um, to take the tonic right then and there. She doesn't even want to argue. And she's like, no, this is my choice. This is my body. This is what I want. I want this. And she knows, like, there's not a doubt in this particular character's mind. I don't think this character will change her mind. I don't think 
you know, two, three books right from now, this is a trilogy that she will change her mind. And maybe I'll be surprised if I read through the trilogy. Trilogy, Maybe she, maybe she will regret it. But I'm telling you, this character in this moment does not. So she takes it. It's horribly painful. Um, it, it like rages through her body, causes even more tremendous pain, and she misses several days of classes. So that sets her back even more. So what we have is just kind of that classic storytelling of uh, the the main character having all odds racked up against them. This is where things get interesting. We start off with Rin just being determined. We start off with Rin just being wanting to take control of her life, wanting to find her way out. And this all seems very almost wholesome. Like, yeah, look at this kid. Look at this kid. You know, kind of, it's very like Rudy, like, you know, like, da -da -da -da, like Rudy's just gonna, oh, you want them to do well, right? <laughs> um, sports reference in a sci-fi podcast? Well, here we are again. I'm odd, y'all. I am odd. So um, you, all of this seems wholesome, kind of a bit up into this point, because now you see hardness. Now you see um, more of a almost ruthless in a way. I mean, it's her body. She can do whatever she wants. But like, this is like the first choice that she makes. And there's more that'll come in this first part. This is the first choice where she makes where you're like, wow, this isn't just about like surviving. This is a aggressive <laughs> version of surviving. <laughs> so which she needs, you know, she needs. So all right. I'm gonna make a couple more points here before we wrap up uh the first the first chapter of this book. Um and that is we're gonna move on into uh her studies. So she's she's learning combat on the side. We've covered that. Um, and again, I am not going deep into this, you guys. You might think I'm talking a lot. I've already been talking for like 35 minutes-ish, but it's there's a lot. I've not even glossed it. So um, she needs to do well in her studies. And so she focuses on uh, strategy, as I've said. And this is the second point in this first half of the book that I've read where I'm like, Maybe Rin's not so wholesome because I want to bring up something very interesting. She's trying to get ahead in strategy. She wants to get this teacher's pledge. Um, she has to. I, doesn't, I don't want to say want. She needs. Um, and so she finds a moment in class where she can stand out. Um, in strategy, what they do is they bring up military like situations in battle. Um, and they're complex situations. And most of the time, these situations that they present to the students have to deal with you know, who's going to live your general or you're supporting the general or you're somehow on the decision making team for this military. If you're in their place, what do you do right in X situation? And either these people will die if you make this decision or these people will die if you make this decision or, you know, and here's your here's your people you're trying to protect. So you're going to lose lives on the on the uh, on your own army side, you're going to lose lives on the army side that you're fighting, and you're probably going to lose lives of the people you're trying to pr to protect, um, like townspeople. And the goal of this is to number one win the battle, but number two do it in such a way where you lose as little lives as possible, especially your own life. Sorry, the townspeople's lives, like the the common people you're trying to protect, that's very important. And then your own. Um, army's lives, you know, being second. And then of course the other battle army, you don't want to, you don't want to destroy them either. You want to beat them, but you don't need to annihilate them. Right. So how do you do that? So the situation happens in class where she totally gets the, uh, instructor's attention. 
in a good way, like he says that she essentially like chose a decision that would win. I'm not going to go into it too much, but she chooses a solution that's going to cause significant environmental impact, which is one of the three things I did not mention. So it's on top of losing lives. It's going to lose a lot of lives, cause significant environmental impact and economical impact on the area that they're in battle over. And it's this call that she makes that's very, it is ruthless. Uh, it is definitely something where the strategy teacher is like, shake his head, like, uh, like back in the cartoons, like, girl, like he's looking at this child, basically the 16 year old that essentially makes a decision. I'll have you read about it. That he's just like, wow, that's, that's effed up, you know? <laughs> So that's that's moment two, okay? <clears throat> Maybe even moment th three. There's the shearing off of the ponytail. Right? It's not a little girl anymore. There's the destroying of her womb. Again, her choice, fine, whatever. And then there's this battle choice that she makes. And so we're starting to get this picture of Rin a little bit where I'm like, wow, okay, maybe our protagonist, is our protagonist, is she going to end up bad? <laughs> is, because I kind of, I kind of liked her in the first 40 choices pages but now I'm kind of now I'm kind of not so sure so a couple things I'm going to gloss over there's duels there's fights there's tournaments between students this is very important to her she has to try to win one um that's fun to read you'll really enjoy that um in learning about these tournaments and other students she finds a beautiful students very beautiful students um I am very much hoping that there's a love interest here but because Rob picked this book I'm very not sure that that's gonna happen but I would like it to happen he's pretty um but again the author doesn't go so much into how he's pretty and doesn't really go into that character um but we just know that Rin kind of looks at him from afar and it's actually a bit unsure on whether or not she is attracted to him she realizes he's pretty realizes you know he's talented he's a fighter um realizes there's a lot of complex things too about him but we're not quite sure if Rin's if that's a sexual physical attraction or if it's like a wow I want to be that epic combat fighter too it's just kind of I don't know usually in books about teenagers you get that like love eyes and it's not here so I don't know interesting throwing it out there now for my favorite-ish parts of the first half of the book. Last little bit I'm going to talk about. We have a kooky professor. Yeah! You can't have these, like, child, like, academy, <laughs> Harry Potter, if you will, or, or Shadowhunter Academy, if you've read those books, um, type of event without having a kooky professor. Now, he where it gets interesting and kind of where we're gonna leave things off after the first part of the book um the first where I ended for my halfway story I'm gonna spoil this a little bit but I promise it's not too spoiled from the cover Rin does not get strategy Rin gets something called lore what is lore Lore is that panel that we read about at the beginning when I first shared the, the excerpt from this book on the jacket. Lore is shamanism, essentially. Um, shamans are rare. Um, so again, not, not super narking because it, it's in the jacket, you guys. It says shamanism, okay? God, you need to know that. 
Um, so shamans are rare and also people think they're made, they're like make-believe because it's important to note that in this story, there's gods um, and there's three, I think three, yeah, three, three celestial beings or celestial figures that they really focus on um, that help them win these wars. Um, not going to go too much into that. But um, so it's it's like a fable kind of they there's this one moment where where Rin goes to this um, she gets a moment away from school with by the way I kind of touched on earlier a friend she gets one friend named Kite um, and Kite gets her on a holiday break and takes her to his family and is just such a nice friend to her and takes her to her first theater show which is like shadow puppets and they tell the story of these gods in this kind of more in a mythological way like nobody really like the students don't really believe it. <clears throat> So when they see this kooky, crazy professor, I'm talking this dude's like climbing trees, hanging outside of trees, making nanner nanner faces, not kidding, like sticking out his tongue, making nanner nanner faces at like the other teachers. I think it says he farts at one point at them. <laughs> it's so silly. And um, she thinks that this professor is ridiculous. Like nobody wants this professor, but he finds her one day in his gardens which by the way, his gardens are where they grow psychedelics um, and poppy seeds and drugs. Um, and they think he's totally crazy. And drugs are forbidden, by the way. It's poppy wars. Like they go to war over this shit. Like you can't have drugs, but yet they're growing them at the school. Weird, but you can't take them bad but yet this professor's obviously like high interesting um and it's all so very funky um and you're just like where is this leading and that's kind of where things sort of wrap up at the end of this first half um and drugs play a huge part in how magic works in this book and that is the crazy cool thing about the poppy wars is and i hope that they really kind of dive into it I'm, I'm not sure yet um they they do at the end of part one where she does have to she knows that shamans use drugs to access their power but the professor is teaching her meditation and other like kind of mentally sound uh more cultivated ways to access this power um and so she through an interesting way, essentially, you discover she has these powers, um, you know, after he finds her kind of practicing these martial arts from these old books, like in his drug garden. And so like, this is where the book gets quite interesting. I won't go too much more into that. But that's a pretty good, glossy overview of how the first chapter goes. Um, Am I interested in reading more? Heck yes. Uh, I want to see her get full shaman powers. I want to see what that means. It alludes to what her powers could be or might be because she has some run-ins with some students where she gets angry and it's sort of one of those you won't like me when I'm angry moments. And so, yeah, I want to see what happens with that. I want to see her friendship with Kite grow. I want to see what happens with the beautiful boy. I want to see what happens with the angry beautiful boy who doesn't like her, who essentially got her kicked out of the class. Um, but more than any of that, I am mostly interested in the magic system um, of the poppy works. I think it's interesting and it seems to be kind of elemental based as far as what I can tell 
for now. Um, as far as characters go, though, I just I, I would say the things I'm disappointed on are is that, you know, the characters aren't. It's hard for me to envision some of them in my mind. There's several students that she goes to school with. The girls are in a girls dormitory and there's less girls than boys. Um, so there's less of the girls. And yet it's very difficult for me to tell you what they look like when they when this author is saying character names like in class, like I'm like, which one is that? Like, I can't. I can't picture them and I really, really, really struggle with that. So um, I'm disappointed about that. Um, I, I'm disappointed that um, there's there's not enough, I think, one-on-one -on -one interactions and, and development between the students. They are at this school and we, we get kind of stuck in Rin's head a lot. Um, not that that's a bad thing. It's just not what I'm used to. Um, and I... I wish the author would also spend a bit more time kind of talking about this upcoming poppy war. Uh, sorry, this upcoming war. They, she talks about it a bit, but she talks about it retrospectively. Um, there's an incident that happens in their history that's really caused this tension. Um, there's sort of this group of characters that, you know, are no longer um, helpful in battle. They're, you know, there's a reason why that is. Um, and I, I think I want to know a bit more why it's all led to all the students going to military academies. I know they're on their third war. I know there's been two of these, but it doesn't necessarily say exactly why. Um, and, you know, really kind of talk into why, sort of. And I think that'd be interesting. I mean, I know there's an opium war. I know there's another issue. I'll just give you a clue. It's about an island um, and, and its people. And so I know there's some of that. But to me, that's not enough. That's not enough to really explain why it's so war, 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 and why it's so send our children off to war school. Like to me, I think there's a bit missing there, um, but that's okay. I think, um, and I know, I know Robert will get into this, but it's going to be very much based on um, kind of real life Chinese history events that have real life happened. This is a, a fictionalization of that. So all these characters are fiction, but it's, it's based around that history. So maybe if you knew that history going into it, or you were curious and you looked it up, maybe that would provide more context into it. But for someone like me, I don't care. I don't want to read into the history. That might sound bad. I know this author wrote it because, you know, they, they want you to have this rich history, but like, that's not why I would read a book like this. And Robert and I are just two different people. So those are things that I was missing, but, um, yeah, we, I said, would I keep reading? And the answer is yes. I want to finish this book. I want to see what's going on. It is a trilogy. So I hope I want to read the trilogy. Um, and there's just a lot. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of book to get through. Um, so yes, next up, it will be Rob and I on the same show. We'll both be reviewing the entire book together. After we do that, then Rob will give you his halfway like I just did today on fourth wing. And then after that episode, we'll both wrap up fourth wing together. That's, that's sort of how we're going to do this. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for watching spending time on my solo episode. Please make sure to join in on the next episode. Make sure to like, and subscribe and join our discord. Um, our discord is starting to grow and we'd love to see you in our community. Thanks everyone.